This is the AI Reader Podcast. I am Beatrice Wright. A wise United States Supreme Justice was once confronted with the task of defining obscenity back in 1964. And you know what this clever chap said? I know it when I see it. Quite a cheeky response, I must say. He relied on his vast lifetime of experiences to wield such an internal test. But here's the puzzler. How on earth would an AI manage to conduct such a hazy determination? It's a real head-scratcher. But AI needs to crack this enigma to automate the sifting of undesirable content and to safeguard itself from creating such unsavoury stuff. Tricky business, isn't it? Today, we're delving deep into the controversial side of AI training, not just the usual debate about the ethics of utilising the vast array of words and images on the internet. No, no. Today we're shining a spotlight on the unsung heroes of AI training, the people behind the scenes who bear the burden of a crucial, boring and possibly distasteful task. Think back to the times you've obediently labelled crosswalks buses, similar to that quest to spot the cunning rascal Waldo. Annoying as it may be for a moment when signing up for a new service, now imagine that as your full-time job. We embark on an educational exploration of the individuals stationed in the far corners of Southeast Asia, Africa and beyond, who toil away day in and day out, subjected to the distressing duty of sifting through hateful speech, offensive images and other deeply disturbing content. So sit back, my witty wanderers, and let Beatrice Wright and today's co-host Olivia Reynolds transport you into a realm where technology and humanity collide, where the true costs of AI training are laid bare. Let's question, learn, and perhaps even empathise with those shaping the future of artificial intelligence. Why don't you put your feet up and enjoy a nice cuppa? For historical context for future listeners, this podcast is being made about May 26, 2023, at about block 791,000 on the Bitcoin time chain. One British pound will get you 4,500 Bitcoin satoshis. Or one red, white, and blue United States dollar will get you 3,650 sats. Yes, yes, Olivia, but they are green. Let's begin our exploration with the story of Rohit. Namaste. I am Rohit Sharma. I am hailing from the orange city of Nagpur in central India. I have an engineering degree, but now I work on Amazon Mechanical Turk. I work during the night to ensure I'm awake when the high-paying US tasks become available. It's a race against time to be the first one to claim them before anyone else does. Being swift is crucial because it determines who gets to grab those tasks. Even with his dedication, only a small fraction of his efforts bear fruit. If I invest my efforts in completing 10 tasks, it's disheartening to know that only two of them will be accepted for payment. It feels like a considerable waste and an unfair system. Beatrice, it sounds like Rohit faces quite the challenge. How does this relate to the broader AI landscape? Ah, Olivia, my inquisitive companion. The insatiable appetite of AI algorithms for extensive training datasets is what fuels the demand for annotation workers. These folk, with their meticulous labelling of text, images, video and audio, form the backbone of AI's learning process. So these micro-taskers, they play a crucial role in the development of AI technology? Spot on. They are the invisible workforce that toils behind the scenes, contributing their human expertise, natural observation and common sense to this grand AI symphony training. 
Are they paid well for this? Market forces at play determine the wages in this realm. The wages paid are indisputably low by our British and American standards in the West. The rate of pay is about £1.20 an hour. Or $1.50 US an hour. Ah yes, a mere $1.50 per hour. For context, that wage stands at four times the national minimum in the respective countries. It's no coincidence that these micro-tasking jobs find their way to regions with a lower cost of living. It is also no wonder that those who can access the internet and do this work are drawn to it. Remember the rise of Axie Infinity in the Philippines? Axie Infinity? What was that? It was a play-to-earn game that gained immense popularity in the Philippines during the pandemic. Participants could earn a similar hourly amount for their efforts playing a rather silly game. However, like every other non-Bitcoin crypto project, it eventually met its demise. I actually spent some time in Southeast Asia. The people are very friendly and in the Philippines, they speak English very well. I can totally see them gravitating to these jobs. There just are not a lot of economic options locally. Because of these unfortunate circumstances, there are plenty of people willing to do digital drudgery. Why do all these images need labels in the first place? This is all teaching our beloved AI the art of computer vision, the basic building blocks for grander endeavors like self-driving cars that won't go crashing into innocent schoolchildren at crosswalks. Imagine computer vision algorithms that can flawlessly identify every bus and crosswalk in a scene, surpassing the performance of easily sidetracked humans. It's a tantalizing prospect, isn't it? The ability for AI to excel in these visual perception tasks is key to unlocking the potential of autonomous systems. But how do we get there? Well, my curious companions, it all starts with training. And training means relying on the tireless efforts of those in the trenches, like our low-wage workers who toil away labelling and annotating countless images and videos. AI learning simply demands vast training sets that have been meticulously curated. You see... The insatiable hunger for top-notch data can't be satisfied with just those pesky captures that guard the gates of website registrations. What is a CAPTCHA? CAPTCHA stands for Completely Automated Public Turing Test to Tell Computers and Humans Apart. It is those little puzzles you have to complete online to show you are not a spammer. Just as those menacing metallic Dalek creatures from Doctor Who... are perpetually confined to the ground floor because they cannot use the stairs, captures act as digital barriers, preventing unwanted bots from infiltrating websites. They have a nice side effect of getting free labour for training AI. Both stairs and captures are easy for humans to navigate, but hard for Daleks and other computers. So, we are teaching the Daleks to go up the stairs. These CAPTCHAs are not enough to feed the AI's hunger for data? Oh, sweet summer child. CAPTCHAs are but a mere appetizer in the grand feast of information that AI craves. They provide a smidgen of data, a mere glimpse into the puzzle. To truly satiate the AI's appetite and to ensure its robust training, we need large-scale, high-quality datasets meticulously annotated by human hands. It's fascinating how AI's quest for knowledge relies so heavily on human involvement. For it to learn, we have to give it a cheat sheet of correct answers. That is what all this human labor is for. Are there any concerns about low pay and labor regulations? When we think about pay, conditions and regulations, these are all separate considerations. 
The pay is competitive for the region of the world, even if it is ridiculously low for the Western world. Yeah, when I was there, I stayed with an expat friend. He had a nice apartment in Manila for about $350 a month. He lived alone, but similar places would be shared by four or five people normally. It is a much lower cost of living area. As for the working conditions of these remote gig workers, they are likely in their own homes, perched in an internet cafe, or perhaps even venturing into any corner of their choosing armed with a trusty laptop. At least these workers have the freedom to work from virtually anywhere they please. For good or ill, the nature of this gig work makes it almost invisible compared to more traditional jobs in their local communities. Regulations, if they exist at all, are likely to be lax in overseeing these remote workers. When it comes to specific tasks like interpreting LiDAR data or identifying features and images, they must face the same challenges that many gig workers encounter anywhere in the world. Absolutely, Olivia. The irregularity of work and the difficulty of receiving payments from foreign companies can pose significant hurdles. Many of these workers are unbanked, making it arduous to navigate the complexities of the inadequate legacy financial system. It can be very costly to collect these small but frequent amounts of money. It's a complex web of logistical challenges for these workers, especially with different time zones, inadequate banking for a global economy, and the expectation of completing way too much work for a 40-hour week. The unique and truly troubling to me is the distasteful tasks they are assigned. Someone has to identify what text or images are repulsive. Emotional toll is perhaps the most distressing aspect of this line of work. Having to sift through disturbing and explicit content for weeks on end must be truly draining. Ah, the repetitive boredom intertwined with the emotional distress. These workers face a daunting task of manually marking countless distasteful stories and images to train the AI. This is needed to prevent AI generation of troubling content, such as incestuous narratives. The emotional toll is akin to similarly brave souls who manually check social media reports of prohibited content. It brings to mind the iconic character Alex from A Clockwork Orange, doesn't it? For those that missed this Kubrick film, Alex is a violent hooligan, and an experiment is performed on him where he is forced to watch disturbing scenes of violence all day. Ugh, I cannot forget the scene where they force his eyelids open so he has no escape. Creepy. Just as Alex was subjected to a brutal form of conditioning in an attempt to suppress his violent tendencies, these workers are exposed day in and day out to disturbing and offensive content. They are the unsung heroes, or rather the unsung victims, facing a constant onslaught of digital depravity. It's a thought-provoking parallel, isn't it? While Alex's treatment was a form of punishment, these workers are burdened with the responsibility of ensuring that AI systems don't perpetuate hate speech, violence, or explicit imagery. They have the immense weight of moderating content, facing the ugliness of humanity while striving to create a more palatable online environment. It's a role that demands immense strength and resilience, and it's high time we acknowledge the toll it takes on their well-being. It's heartening to know that eventually, as the AI becomes more advanced and trained, it will be able to take on this emotionally taxing responsibility for social sites. Indeed, Olivia. The prospect of eventually alleviating these workers from the burden is a glimmer of hope in an otherwise taxing landscape. Even though this work has significant downsides, it is in demand for these jobs. 
I think a lot about gender disparities. When it comes to gender disparities in data annotation work, there's a question that often arises. Is it a reflection of, say, Indian culture or inherent to the nature of the work itself? Well, Olivia, let's explore this together, shall we? Absolutely. It's crucial to understand the nuances at play. A 2021 report by IT for Change, which studied Amazon M. Turk, highlighted some interesting aspects. It revealed that women freelancers in India face immense challenges in accessing microwork platforms. In fact, they sometimes resort to paying hefty sums in the gray market just to secure an account. It's important to note that the gender disparities observed in the data annotation industry, including on platforms like Amazon M. Turk, may not necessarily be intentional discrimination by Amazon itself. Rather, it's a reflection of the broader systemic challenges that women face in accessing equal opportunities in certain industries. While we can't directly attribute it to intentional discrimination by Amazon, the disparity may arise from a combination of factors. These could include societal norms, biases, and structural barriers that affect women's participation and advancement in the workforce. Quite right. While we can't directly attribute it to intentional discrimination by Amazon, the disparity may arise from a combination of factors. These could include societal norms, biases, and structural barriers that affect women's participation and advancement in the workforce. It's crucial to consider the broader context. The data annotation industry, like many others, has historically been dominated by men. This can create a self-perpetuating cycle where existing gender imbalances make it harder for women to enter and thrive in the field. Additionally, the challenges faced by women in accessing microwork platforms and securing higher-paying tasks could be influenced by cultural and societal factors. Limited access to digital technologies, lack of credit financing, and unequal distribution of resources can further hinder women's opportunities to engage in this type of work. These structural barriers and cultural norms contribute to a system where women may find themselves disadvantaged, settling for lower-paying tasks, or facing limited options for career growth within the data annotation industry. Let's conclude this with some final words from Sofia Reyes, a Filipina about her experience microtasking. The low pay of microtasks is disheartening, but I take on as many as I can to support my daughter. It is boring and can be tiring, but I remind myself that it's temporary and a sacrifice I'm willing to make for a better future. Tasks are not always there. Microtasking lets me to work from home so I can be there for my daughter. It also lets me improve my skills. Despite the trouble, I am determined.